Welcome to the September 24th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. We cover the biggest stories in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day forever. You can count on us being here. This is your host, Space Marine, live from outer space. Jumping right into it, the market analysis. Bitcoin's not been having that great of a day. It started the day near $6,700, having been as high as over $6,800, almost $7,000, but maybe just as high as $6,850 in the past couple days before this. But today it's been declining from 6700 all the way down to $6,400. So that's a pretty bad 5% loss, but 5 or 10% losses, even 10% is not that unusual for the Bitcoin market. Bitcoin's known for being the most volatile major asset class. It's way more volatile than stocks, way more volatile than commodities. It's kind of like the Wild West out there in the Bitcoin market. Even though it's getting more regulated, it's still pretty wild. And the fluctuations can be big like today. So even though it's dropped from $6,700 to $6,400 today, it actually might be a good buying opportunity for Bitcoin because there's been this solid support level of $5,800. And as it approaches that $5,800 level, usually at a $6,000, it bounces off and goes back up again, up to like $7,000 or $8,000. In the past couple months, it's been doing that. I don't think it's going to breach below $5,800. It did go below $5,800 to like $5,750 once, but it doesn't really go below that. That's like a really solid support level. And that might be from all the people holding Bitcoin worldwide, and that might just be the level, because there's not that many Bitcoins outside of all the wallets that are holding it. There's so many people holding Bitcoin, there's just not that much available to dump. So when it goes down to 5,800, there's no more dumping pressure. That's just my theory and speculation, but it's really been holding. If you look at the long-term charts, you can see Bitcoin bounce off at around 1,500, $6,000 support level, like four or five, six times this year already. And that's one of the most solid support levels in Bitcoin history. And it would be very bad if that got broken. I don't think that's happening. So when you look at the Bitcoin price going down to $6,400 like today, it might just be a really good buying opportunity. Now for our first story. Bitcoin has been added to the Scrabble Dictionary. So Scrabble is a really fun board game. I used to play it with my sister and she used to cheat. And if I used to win, even though she cheated, she'd throw the board at me. But it's really fun because it could be really controversial and contested and... It's the best board game for people that are word experts. You basically just, you take these little blocks that have like a letter on them and you arrange them on the game board and get points. And each letter has like a point, like L has a point of one, H has four points. So like the the more uncommon the letters in a word in general, the more points it has. And then on the board, there's like double letter score, double word score, triple word score. You try to get the most points and that's how you win the game. And so now that Bitcoin's been added to the official Scrabble Dictionary, which is run by Merriam-Webster, and actually Merriam-Webster added Bitcoin to its real dictionary in 2016, and it's taken like a couple years for it to get to the Scrabble Dictionary. The Scrabble Dictionary is much smaller, but here's the thing about the Scrabble Dictionary. Scrabble's so popular that there's actually tournaments all around the world where people are totally battling each other playing this word game, and their pride, their reputation, and even some money's on the line. And if someone was to use Bitcoin before it was in the dictionary, like up to now, it just got added. So if someone was to use Bitcoin in one of these tournaments, even though it's a very obvious and common word, they, the other player could challenge Bitcoin being used. And then they look in the dictionary, the official Scrabble dictionary, and Bitcoin's not there until now. So they would look in it, Bitcoin wouldn't be there, and the person that put Bitcoin down on the board would lose their turn and they wouldn't get any points for it, and that could cause them to lose the game. Like when you're playing against experts, losing one turn might be enough to lose the whole tournament. So now the game has changed. People can use Bitcoin while playing Scrabble. And this is just another example how Bitcoin's penetrating into the mainstream. Now Bitcoin is in the official dictionary of one of the biggest, probably the biggest word-related board game in the world. Now for our next story. 
North Korea is using cryptocurrency to circumvent international sanctions. So th there's this team, and they issued a joint statement. It's Lords Miranda and Ross Delston. They claim to be international mon money laundering experts and also intelligence experts, which may seem means like espionage international experts. So they look into what's going on in the background with uh, the international combat going on between countries. So what's going on with North Korea is they have tremendous sanctions on them. Like they were building nuclear weapons and exploding them and test sites, and also threatening to bomb other countries, but they didn't do that. But just the fact that they were developing nuclear weapons and the world didn't like them, like George Bush declared them to be part of the axis of evil among, like, Iran and Iraq, like, back in the day. So the Western world doesn't really like North Korea, and then North Korea got the ability to build nuclear weapons, so they said, okay, now we're going to, like, cut off your trade, no shipping, no precious metals, no oils, and also no sending money, because, like, the international finance system is mostly centralized and controlled by the United Nations and the United States and such. So they're cut off from using international banks, pretty much. But now they're using cryptocurrency. And so how they could do this is they send the cryptocurrency that they have, and they're actually, they're speculation, and it's probably true that they have a huge cryptocurrency mining farm in North Korea because it's one of the things they could actually do and make money there without any outside intervention. Because you can mine cryptocurrency and be cryptographically secure, even if you're in North Korea and no one could take that. But then they got to cash it out. So this is where they're circumventing the sanctions comes in. So they're earning cryptocurrency from a mining farm, and then also other things. They might just have cryptocurrency from buying it, wherever they could buy it. And then they send it to cryptocurrency exchanges and wallets around the world. Because a lot of the wallets and exchanges in the United States are regulated big time, and you need, like, identification. But there's a lot of them in many other countries, and also just ones that don't follow the rules, where you don't need identification information. So North Korea is looking around the world and choosing the ones where they can just be anonymous. And they're sending from wallet to wallet. And by sending from wallet to wallet and exchange to exchange, that obfuscates the trail. This is all about money laundering, basically. But it's international, national-scale money laundering. And another thing they do is they convert between different cryptocurrencies like Litecoin and Ethereum. Like, they'll put Bitcoin on one exchange, sell for Litecoin, then send it to another exchange, then sell for Ethereum, send it to another exchange, so on and so forth. There's like 2,000 cryptocurrencies. They can go on doing that as much as they want. But then it goes beyond that. They have mixing services, apparently. That's what Miranda and Delston, these experts, say. So there's, like, since the beginning, there's been, like, laundering services for Bitcoin where, like, they mix them between, like, a ton of addresses, and it just totally ruins the trail. So it's proposed that North Korea is doing that. And then also, Miranda and Delston didn't mention privacy coins like Monero and Zcash, but I think North Korea is using Monero and Zcash. Because Monero and Zcash just have, like, built-in mixing and built-in anonymity. Like, Bitcoin's pseudo-anonymous because there's... There's no names attached to Bitcoin addresses, but you can trace all Bitcoin's history. So even if North Korea is doing all this crazy stuff to, like, obfuscate the trail, there's still some trace if you have, like, the real best expert tracing them. And they probably do have the best person for tracing cryptocurrency tracing North Korea. But then you have a privacy coin like Monero, and there's, like, no trace anymore. So I think North Korea is obviously using that, even though this report doesn't mention it. They probably just forgot to mention that. And then... Miranda Delston really speculated. They said North Korea might have their own cryptocurrency, and it's just like a, a secret cryptocurrency they made, but it might be one of the cryptocurrencies that's already out there, but they actually run it. And Miranda and Delston said North Korea would do this so they can actually manipulate the blockchain, like delete records and change the records after they already start cryptocurrency with this cryptocurrency, whatever it is, and this is just total speculation. I don't think it's even true, but it's possible that North Korea can make their own cryptocurrency that's like highly prone to manipulation, and they control it, so... 
they could just delete records and stuff. So they could send cryptocurrency to another country and then delete the record. That's possible. I don't think that's really what's going on, though. I think North Korea is using a mixture of privacy coins, a mixture of coin mixing services, a mixture of sending between different exchanges and different wallets. And the end goal here is to clean the Bitcoin or clean the cryptocurrency and then send it into a fiat exchange and actually get U.S. dollars or euros or pounds, whatever they want, and get the money and then send it back to Korea. And they can actually, they don't actually have to send the money back to Korea. They can like trade the money back and forth wherever they need it to buy goods and send the goods back to Korea somehow. I'm just speculating. I'm not exactly sure how bad these sanctions are. I know they're really bad, so they can't even really send goods back to themselves. But they could try. I mean, people buy stuff on the dark net all the time and send goods to their house, even though it's totally illegal. So North Korea might do the same thing with like oil and gold and stuff. They might just get the secret packages being sent. But that's really just speculation. They could conduct all their trade. They could make all their money at a distance and then send the extra cryptocurrency back to North Korea too. And cryptocurrency is a great way for North Korea to have a savings and a national reserve of money that can't be touched by anyone. They would never give up the private key for that. Unless there was a war and they got totally defeated. And that's probably not happening anytime soon. So North Korea can use cryptocurrency for their savings. They could use it to transact money at a distance. Like they could convert to fiat after they do all this laundering and mixing. They could convert to fiat, make some money with the fiat at a distance, and then convert it back to cryptocurrency, send it back to Korea instantly. Like, they don't really need any mixing when they're sending it back. Maybe they do, actually. Because, like, anyone that's working for them would get compromised if they sent it right back to Korea, and that's traceable. So it's a complex situation, but ultimately, the real essence of the story is that Bitcoin was created to be a decentralized financial system, and North Korea's use of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is an excellent example of how, despite even the fullest, worst government regulations that are trying to stop North Korea, they can still have international payments and an international payment and finance network despite the law saying they cannot. So crypto's really shining through here as a way to defeat international sanctions. And it's probably going to be used by Iran. Iran's about to be in the same situation as North Korea, and we've gone through a few articles like that. You can look it up on Bitcoin News. Now for our next story. An Italian football team announces a cryptocurrency, and football in this case is soccer. We call it soccer in the United States. I think the rest of the world calls it football. But in the United States, there's also football with like the elliptical ball where people are tackling each other. It's a lot more violent. So the Italian club Juventus, based in Turin, says they're creating their own token and they're doing an initial coin offering. And basically what this is, a lot of soccer teams are doing initial coin offerings in countries where it's allowed. Like, it's not allowed in the U.S., but then again, in the U.S., there's barely any soccer teams. Like, there are, but they're not very popular. But in the rest of the world, you can still do initial coin offerings, and it's a great way to raise money. And for these soccer teams, they could literally just copy and paste, like, Litecoin or Bitcoin or something, and then put their name on it, and people would buy it because they're fans. And they're like, oh, I want this merchandise. I want this coin labeled Juventus. And there's, like, a bunch of soccer teams doing this. You can look on Bitcoin News and type in football, and you'll see a bunch of teams doing this. And what they do is they raise a bunch of money all at once, like millions of dollars, just for slapping their name on a copy and paste coin. I don't know if it's the best thing for the crypto world, but it's a good use case of how a soccer team or any of the professional sports team where it's legal could do an initial coin offering and make millions of dollars just by putting their name and their logo on a coin that's copy and pasted. So that's interesting. Now for our next story and our final story for today. Especially towards the beginning of this show, 50 episodes ago or so, like the first maybe 5 episodes or even the first 10 episodes, sporadically mentioned BACKT, B-A-K-K-T, which is a new cryptocurrency and Bitcoin exchange being launched by the Intercontinental Exchange ICE, I-C-E. And they own 
a lot of futures exchanges and the New York Stock Exchange. And so what Bax said they're doing is they're launching physical Bitcoin futures. What's the big deal about this? Well, we do have Bitcoin futures in Chicago on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board Options Exchange. But they're cash-settled futures. And so they're backed by cash and settled for cash once a month. And they're basically paper Bitcoins because they're all in cash. There's no actual Bitcoins above. So they're kind of printing Bitcoins for these futures. And then investors that buy the Bitcoins that are futures contracts based on paper, paper Bitcoins, that diverts money away from the spot market. Like the spot market is the market with the actual Bitcoin. So people will buy these futures contracts in Chicago and that diverts money away from the spot market. So long term, the price of Bitcoin is lower than it should be because people are buying futures contracts and diverting their investments away from the actual spot market. It's a significant effect, probably. Bitcoin probably like $1,000 higher that these futures market didn't exist. That's just speculation. But there is a lot of volume and contracts being held now, and it's going up all the time. So now Bact is answering that, saying, we don't want paper Bitcoins. We want real Bitcoin futures, physically settled Bitcoin futures, backed by actual Bitcoins, and not only backed by them, settled the same day. So if an investor buys these physical Bitcoin futures on Bact, and they're supposed to come out in November 2018, and the reason I'm bringing this up again is because they just issued a statement saying they're going to launch these physical Bitcoin futures on time in like one month. It's late September. It should be around by November, so maybe a little over a month, maybe at the most two months if they push it towards the end of November. I don't think they will, though, because this is the ICE, which owns the NYSE, which owns a ton of futures markets, and... They know how to get these sort of things passed. And the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, which is in charge of regulating Bitcoin futures, pretty much. They're very favorable towards Bitcoin versus the Securities and Exchange Commission. So this is very likely to be approved. And so people will buy these physical Bitcoin futures and then have Bitcoin in their account. Actual Bitcoins, the future contracts expires the same day. And then they get the actual Bitcoins in their account the same day. So ultimately, this is a way for institutional investors to buy Bitcoin in a regulated and licensed way on all the major stock trading platforms. Like all the major stock trading platforms will have this physical Bitcoin futures option. And it ultimately is just a way to buy Bitcoins in a regulated and licensed way. So it's going to probably cause a massive wave of institutional capital. Everyone's been hoping for that Bitcoin exchange traded fund. It's not happening because the SEC will not approve it. They might surprise everyone and do that. But physical Bitcoin futures are going to be approved. They're just as good as an ETF, if not better, because most of the ETFs were paper Bitcoins backed by cash. This physical Bitcoin futures on backed is actual Bitcoins. It'll increase spot demand and spot price, possibly massively. So this is really good news. We have a lot to look forward to in the Bitcoin market as we approach November and go through November, because this will happen. And I, it's probably going to cause a rally. I don't want to say I guarantee it's going to cause a rally. I can't guarantee that. A lot of other things could happen, but this is likely to apply upward pressure to the market, if not huge upward pressure that could cause the next big rally. That's all we have for you today on the September 24th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. Go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for a full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto articles. You will be an expert if you read BitcoinNews.com. This is Space Marine signing out, going back to my spaceship. Adios, amigos.